Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so welcome to episode 45 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. I'm here online through Skype for Business with Rich Desiriga, who's home now. Are we, are we done with traveling for a bit? Uh, for like a short bit. Uh, things kick back up again next week. It's kind of odd doing this like this way. We've been in the same city for so many weeks. It's kind of odd. I know, and it's been good to kind of have the microphone and pointing in your face rather than having to record both ends and work it all out later. That's what editing people are for, I guess, huh? Yeah, that's right. This is whole in-person communication thing. I think we're just too reliant on technology and the fact that we can do this stuff so easily online that meeting in person, you take it for granted. Yep. The um, I, I must admit, I just went into my bag to find my microphone and it's not there. So I'm really hoping that it's at home when I get back today. I um, I literally arrived back home on Saturday and started packing my life up into boxes to move out of my apartment and hopefully into my new shiny home at the end of the month. So I'm going to be um, literally, because I'm traveling next week like you are too, Dev Intersections in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, I've got a keynote there and a few sessions on Tuesday and I know I've kind of wonderfully nominated you to do a few sessions as well but um rather than me kind of extend my lease i've decided you know what, if i'm on the road for a week anyway i might as well just kind of be homeless and camp on someone's uh sofa for a week until i get the new place so basically you will code for food is that it like i i will absolutely code for food at this stage but yeah i uh, yeah i'm a bit gutted i haven't got my microphone in my bag it does concern me that it may be have swallowed up into one of those boxes i was packing last night someone got some really nice swag coming back from uh ignite i guess <laughs> yeah right i'm hoping i just didn't leave it and someone kind of grabbed it off the expo table and was like sweet t-shirt sweet raspberry pi sweet really nice microphone hey speaking of ignite and and build i was uh i was pleased at how many people seem to be following sessions that weren't able to uh, actually attend those events i know build was one of those things that that sells out so quick and then you know ignite actually sell, sold out two at like you know twenty three thousand attendees so um, it was cool. I saw people all over the globe uh, mentioning, you know, that they were following along closely with, you know, a lot of the the big sessions and announcements. Yeah, I mean, it was. I think there was a lot of people, and I've I've heard this because they they moaned about, well, you know, what's the value of Ignite, and you know, you're not going to announce anything. It's no point in coming. And then they started like downloading the sessions the day after, and suddenly regretted, oh, actually, there's some, you know, this content is good. So it, that was good to hear. I think that's one benefit of. Yeah, look, you know, you can pay to come to these events, but you can also kind of get to all those sessions on demand. And I did a blog post, I think it was on Thursday last week, kind of highlighting the key sessions from Build, and I'll do another one this week on the key sessions from Ignite and try and make sure they don't overlap because we did have some overlapping content, but we did have a bunch of sessions that were kind of SharePoint on-premise related that Vesser and the PMP guys put together that we didn't have at Build. So there was a fair amount of additional content at Ignite that wasn't available at Build as well. And then obviously there's a ton of stuff that Mark Cashman and Bill Bear and Jem did and Christoph Eisinger did around all the kind of the, the V-Next portal stuff too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good sessions. I wish I could have caught more last week, but I'll, I'll be like all of our other listeners and probably download a bunch of that stuff and, and uh, catch up on it. On my quote-unquote free time? Yeah, I always say that. 
and then I never get time. So I've, I've started downloading the sessions to my iPad, and I'm hoping that when I'm traveling next week to Scottsdale, I'll be able to just sit there and put them on three speed and get for a few sessions. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. Because you try and follow along with Facebook and Twitter or with people who are summarizing the sessions on uh, on the fly, but a lot of the time it's just better to hear it from the horse's mouth because sometimes things can be misquoted like they were last week. So, you know, Jeremy, in addition to Dev Intersection next week, we also are uh, actually this week kicking off a an entire... A series of dev camps, and the, these are a multi-day event where you go through and and just kind of learn about some of our you know new APIs and new ways of you know building add-ins and things like that, and and get really hands-on with developers. So these, unlike a lot of our other events like the Office 365 summits that have a mixture of IT pro and and dev, this is really focused on on the developer, and those are actually kicking off. This week, running all the way pretty much until the end of June. Yeah, we've got like the first ones in Philadelphia, and as I say, like it's a uh, there's some really cool kind of getting started building up your environment, and then kind of having a look at SharePoint add-ins, and then looking at the Office Weeks of APIs with a standalone web application, and then some stuff on the Office add-ins, and then like starting to build your own native um, Android application as well, and a lot of it. Yes, it is available on you know dev.office.com like training, but we have kind of you know expert instructors that will be there, and you know it's yet another opportunity to ask questions in person with someone who kind of understands it and get them going. Um, so when this podcast comes out, the one's been running in Philly, but then there's also one in um, in Cage, Cambridge, Massachusetts, which starts on the 18th of May, and then on the same day there's one in um, I always go to say St. Louis. But it's St. Louis. You had it right. I, I always say St. Louis, yeah. St. Louis, Missouri uh, on the 18th. And on the 28th, they're in Atlanta. And then there's one on June 1st in Washington, D.C. And then Detroit on June 1st as well. And then Dallas on the 4th of June. And Los Angeles, 16th of June. Chicago, 18th. And then it's in Seattle on the 18th of June. So we're all going to gate crash that one for sure. And then um, the 23rd of June in New York City. And then the 24th of June in Silicon Valley. So in, so that's in Bur- Burlingham, CA. So some really good content there. A variety of different trainers from the DX org, which obviously you're part of in a court way, but these are like more like the field guys doing it. So I think it'll be a really cool opportunity to get out there. And you, the sign-up links, I'll make sure, are all in the, the pod show notes. But... Um, you know, you just go in there and register. You don't have to pay for this event. It's a free event from what I understand. You do need to use your Microsoft account, like your Hotmail or your Outlook.com, to get in. But once you've confirmed, it just takes you through, like, the normal MS events.microsoft and sends you a calendar invite, and you're good to go. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's anyone can usually squeeze out of work for a day to attend these. And, and you know, we give you a lot of information on the, the sign-up page about what sort of uh, you know, what the curriculum or the agenda is for the day and what sort of things you need. And, and if you don't have them, you know, how to get set up with things like maybe a dev tenant and, you know, how you can, you know, get maybe a, a trial of Azure and things like that to to participate in this. But, you know, like you said, it's, you know, if you, if you have me go and do a bunch of hands-on labs on my own time or watch videos, it might take me several days to get through it. Whereas here, you know, you're kind of, in a place with some experts and you can really kind of charge through all that content. Yeah, and what we just recommend is if you haven't gone to dev.office.com, 
clicked on the big sign up button on the homepage. You can get sign up for our dev program and get your free one year developer tenant there. And also you'll get a bunch of other stuff that we'll be kind of communicating to you via email, including some Telerik UI Kendo controls and a drip subscription, basic subscription for a year. And there'll be some other stuff we'll do, um, you know, from July onwards, giving away additional things to people in the program. So kind of really pumped to um, see how many people signed up for that program, both at Build and Ignite. And we had some really good take up there and, and people see the value in kind of having that developer tenant for free and um, kind of being able to get started like that so quickly. I wonder how many people signed up last week for dev tenants that were just wanting like awesome swag that the the office uh, area had. I know we were giving out Raspberry Pi 2 devices and actually a couple of listeners uh, got some some cool swag bags for uh, being loyal listeners and and sending a nice uh, retweet of of some of our um, you know podcast announcements. So maybe we'll do some of the same thing this week. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean they were going like hot cakes between the t-shirts and the stickers and the raspberry pies. Well, let's, we'll see. We'll see if uh, get a good uh, mention from someone in the the listening audience, and we'll send them some good stuff. But yeah, so actions this week, dev program for sure, and. Um, and then obviously with the, um, you know, if you are in the US and you've got some free, you know, time to do that, then absolutely kind of um, jump in on and register for those those dev camps. And if you go to dev.office.com homepage, you can actually see all those dev camps uh, listed on the events homepage too. So this week we were chatting away about a bunch of things. And I think what's kind of uh, from following all the Yammer threads and the Facebook threads and the Twitter threads and everywhere else, you guys are kind of giving feedback on either from being there in person last week or um, from actually um, downloading the on-demand videos and having a look at things, is there are a lot more options for you guys as developers in actually building solutions on top of the entire stack whether it's online in office 365 whether it's hybrid or whether it's purely on premises and so what we wanted to kind of talk about today is you know what those options are um some of the decision points and what we're we're seeing and what you know we can disclose right now around what engineering are thinking about in terms of the direction and where they're focusing on on where things are going so um Maybe, Rich, do you want to start like at a high level? What, what do you think those different surface areas are that, as an office developer, you can start homing in on? Well, I mean, uh, I think when I look at it, I, I tend to kind of focus in, in like our, our two high-level vision areas, which is, you know, doing kind of the add-in approach where you're extending that user interface. And then the I want to connect into a set of services. I have a standalone application or maybe a, a mobile ac- application that I want to, you know, leverage some of the goodness out of Office, you know, whether that's something in SharePoint or Exchange um, and, and what we're doing to support that. You know, the the add-in area has obviously been the traditional place that that office developers have lived, whether that's, you know, the SharePoint developer that was building, you know, feature framework type things where they were, you know, installing web parts or master pages or, you know, wh- whatever that might be, or, you know, the office developer that was doing VSTO. You know, that's the area that we've always, you know, had a, a really rich ecosystem. And, you know, we've that's where we kind of initially made a lot of our, you know, investment areas. Um, you know, we we certainly are continuing to invest there. I think the two areas that I probably see some of the biggest movement is, you know, obviously in the add-in front, we announced things like, 
you know, being able to do, you know, app commands and, and you know, surfacing those applications in new ways, uh, maybe even where they don't even have necessarily much of a user interface. But also, you know, even on, you know, the traditional server products like SharePoint, you know, we've, we're going to soon, um, this is something that Israel Vega and myself had a session on was kind of the, the future of provider hosted apps. You know, we, you know, we have new places like the, the app launcher, but even new ways at which I'm going to be able to, to register my applications. So, um, you know, I, I think traditionally most SharePoint developers that have played with our, our, our add-in model have done things like, you know, become very familiar with AppReg New, where I could go get things like an app ID and app secret. You know, now I'm going to be able to maybe do things in the same sort of user interface to be able to say, you know what, I want to I want to register this app, but I also want it to be registered in something like Azure Active Directory so that, you know, now I can traverse services, right? Because I think I think what we'll see, and we I think we'll talk about this more later, is the services that we're offering in Office are bleeding together more and more. Where you know I might I might provision something that you know maybe it has some SharePoint things, maybe it has some some Outlook thing or some Exchange things, but you know together they provide uh, like a holistic value for the end user. And so being able to traverse those services and having Azure AD kind of be the the fundamental uh, kind of component of that, I think, is is huge, and that's something that that we did. You know, we had some announcements. I know Steve Walker and Vesa had a session at Build where they talked a little bit about that that shift, and then Israel and I talked a little bit about it for the SharePoint developers at a provider hosted session at Ignite. Right, and I think you know part of that kind of I, I was kind of joking with a bunch of people last week is it, it's working in the sense that people are starting to come out of the the SharePoint shell and realizing that there's value across Exchange and Link. Um, and now, so with the office graph, and then the, you know the unified graph all up, which touches a bunch of things that you know we talked about last week with the video portal and the tasks API that's coming, and um, obviously OneDrive for Business uh, through the files API, and there'll be you know progressively more things we add to that unified endpoint. But I think as well as like having exposure wherever I'm surfacing my UI to all those different services is is the acquisition flow of getting into those UIs. So, you know, whether it's the app catalog, you know, and store for Office and the app catalog and store for SharePoint or, you know, just being able to now be in the store with a, you know, standalone web application and, and get that inside the app launcher uh, and the My Apps page, you know, as well as just pointing your users there and getting them to sign in or deploying it automatically as an admin in your tenant, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you can service your your application into into the product, uh, into our platform, I guess. And I think the key is is that those boundaries that were, I'm a SharePoint developer, I'm only ever going to call SharePoint CSOM, are, are definitely blurring in the sense that, you know, yes, I might deploy a, a SharePoint add-in into a SharePoint site, and call SharePoint CSOM API to get at list data for the, the parent site where the add-in's been installed. But I also might want to go and call the user's calendar and get their event details to schedule an event based on some business logic of data that's stored inside the SharePoint list. 
and, and vice versa. You know, I add a an office adding into Outlook, um, which is a, a, a mail um, area inside of a Compose environment. And that might call APIs that call into a SharePoint list on library to make business decisions inside of Outlook. So I think, you know, people are starting to realize that, you know, rather than being a SharePoint developer or an Office developer, you're now kind of all up this, you know, Office platform developer. And so your UI isn't just about building SharePoint add-ins anymore or just about building Office add-ins. You know, there's various options of where you surface it. And there's various decisions on why you would surface things I guess in those three core main ways, which is, you know, inside an office client, inside a, a SharePoint site, or inside of the My Apps app launcher experience. And then the other thing that people may or may not have noticed is that if you're in Andrew Salamatov's Outlook session, if you go to dev.outlook.com right now, there's an app registration tool. Um, and what you can do is you can register your, your ad in there. And so you just log in with your your user account for your Microsoft account, and you can give your add-in a name and what type of add-in it is, um, and what your redirect URL is, and choose what permissions you want across mail, mail, calendar, and contacts. And then when you click register add-in, what it'll actually do is it'll it'll provide you a client ID in secret. Now this is something you used to have to do via going into the Azure management portal. So we are starting to move and decoupling the registration of an add-in client ID and secret uh, for Office through this approach. And we'll do the same thing with SharePoint add-ins and, you know, the, the Office 365 app launcher, uh, my apps page there as well in, in the coming months. It's actually a lot sooner than I, I thought we'd be able to do it as well. And we, we hear that as a pain point where right now, you know, the the connection between Azure AD and Office 365 can be a bit challenging in getting into the Azure management portal with your Office 365 organizational credentials. And this registration tool is going to certainly help to speed that up in terms of grabbing a client ID in secret. Yeah. You know, one of the other things, you know, when you when you talk about uh, like all these different services and crossing services, you know, one of one of the, I think, you know, kind of foundational things that, that have, we've started to put a lot of emphasis on is the the new Office 365 groups and, you know, how a, an Office 365 group is a, you know, it really is a accumulation of a, all of these different services. I go and I create a group, you know, I might provision that from something like Outlook, uh, but I might have an experience that's, um, you know, has, you know, a behind the scenes, there's a, maybe a site collection that's backing that from a file standpoint. It might have a a one note that's backing it from, you know, for, you know, things like notes and, and more uh, unstructured type of, you know, documentation within that group. There's, you know, persistent type of conversations that occur within there that might be in a, a number of different areas. And so there was a lot of news last week at Ignite around that, but also from a dev standpoint, you know, there was a lot that we you know, announced around that and how it's support in the unified APIs. And even the property inspector had a lot of kind of new things added to it related to those those Office 365 groups. Right. And that was one of the important things. I think the property inspector is a hero demo. You know, that started out as a, a UI that was standalone that like, lived in the app launcher and, and it spun up its own site collection um, where it stored all of its data for its properties. But what's really interesting is that from a, that perspective, 
is that with the refactor that we'll be shipping the code soon, we're just waiting for a few of the APIs to be available in production and not in our um, and an earlier ring, which we call kind of EDOG or PPE internally, is that we're actually moving more towards using groups. So every property that's in the property manager gets its own group that's created, which comes with a calendar where they can schedule inspections. It comes with conversations that are stored in exchange. It comes with a OneDrive for Business files location where we can store files around those properties, which is where we'd store the pictures of the properties, etc. And a bunch of other constructs on there as well. And we'll keep adding to those constructs inside the group. And so from moving from like this one centralized site collection where all the data is stored for all properties, we're spinning up groups for each individual property. And I think that's something that, you know, it's, it's a benefit there that it isn't, you know, team site centric inside SharePoint where you, you got, lim- you know, you had your files and your lists and libraries there, but you didn't have the benefits of having the power of an exchange calendar. Sure, there was a SharePoint calendar. And, you know, we'll have tasks and groups soon, which will be way more uh, rich than what's available in, in SharePoint task list as well, because they're platform wide. So I think that, you know, where you're seeing the engineering focus on groups um, with all these new tasks and calendar and conversations going on, it's definitely worth if you're looking at building a solution now to in, invest in, in those areas. I also think it like, you know, the groups in a lot of ways, I think, really speak to kind of the, you know, I, have, I always tell people that Office is a platform. You know, a lot of people see like what we do in Office 365 and they call it software as a service. And certainly it is. But, you know, I also argue that it's a platform to to build on. And, and you know, in, that, in, in the case of groups, I think it really highlights that in terms of, you know, I don't, when I, when I actually go to a group, let's say I go to the files for a group, um, the, the actual container that like my files are in is kind of abstracted away from me. Like I don't, I don't, I'm no longer browsing in that behind the scenes. There's a site collection that's supporting that, but I'm not actually in that. I actually do it from my OneDrive for business area. So, you know, if I'm in the sites area or the the files area for a, a modern group or an office 365 group, that's where I'm at. And, and I think again, that speaking to like the platform, you know, things like, file storage within within SharePoint, it's it's kind of becoming a commodity thing. And I can I can re-deliver that. I can still use that as a mechanism for storing my files, but we can surface that really anywhere. I'm, I'm not stuck to that container anymore. And the way we implemented groups was, yeah, we're going to have a, a library behind the scenes maybe that files get stored in, but you're not going to get stuck in this container. You're going to be able to quickly flow between you know, maybe more of the communication, the real-time communication type component of it to where I might have some files, but I'm not going to have to like jump into that that specific site collection. Right. And, the, you know, we did allude in October at Tech Europe in the kickoff session I did there with Brian Jones, we started talking about right now, you know, from every group's kind of entity, whether it's files or calendar or, or whether it's conversations or the OneNote file that comes with it and in the future, things like tasks, you'll be able to have your own entity that you can launch there in that drop down too. So, you know, for instance, if you wanted to, and the hypothetical we use internally is Trello, where you might want to use project management with a system externally, and you could like log into Trello in context of the group that you're in and see the board that's related to that group and then see all of the the cards in Trello. But then Trello could, you know, 
hypothetically then reach back into the group based on that context and look at the files in, in, in the group or look at the conversations in the group and associate them with boards. So it's really like, uh, I mean, you know, Christoph mentions the word ingredient, that the kind of the group is a bunch of ingredients that are kind of strung together. But I think people expect this kind of unified one UI that shows it all. But it's more about whatever kind of ingredient I'm in, I can get to my other ingredients that are part of the group. Yeah, I'd, like I said, I'd, I definitely encourage if, if, you're a, if you're a developer, a pure developer that likes to listen to this podcast and maybe have avoided you know, some of the, the group sessions that we had like at, at Ignite last week, um, I, I think you know that is that is starting to paint that vision of kind of the future portals, and you know I'm not saying, you know I, I think you'll see a lot more kind of team sites that start to kind of end up in that that kind of group area because of all the kind of supporting things that fall around it. Yeah, and I think you know that there's obviously you know we're not saying not to use SharePoint as that, you know, the UI as the base development platform for your solutions because obviously there's a, you know, the group stuff is is available inside Office 365 only so it would only be a hybrid scenario where you could use that if you're purely on-premises then you are going to be using SharePoint team sites as your main construct or building block. And I think that's just a decision point you have to make as a, as either an enterprise development team or as an ISV on, on what target you're going to go after here. I think one of the big comments this week or last week and at Build as well was, well, you know, where are the improvements in the developer story, you know, purely laser focused on, on just SharePoint. And there was one that was mentioned in Vessa's session. And, and obviously I think you guys um, mentioned it in your session as well, Rich, where you talked about that notion of not just being able to get the ACS token to get at SharePoint, but now the Azure AD token to get out of a services too and i think that's a huge huge improvement there from being a reach outside of just that sharepoint side now again granted right now until your farm is you know joined to azure active directory and you can get the bits to sharepoint server 2016 you're not going to be able to do much in terms of reaching out on those api services there and again it's all part of you know we've been cloud first for a while and 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 seeing where that direction is in our office 365 space and you know, knowing that that's going to come trickle down into the on-premises product um, once that's shipped next year. Speaking of kind of showing love to the the SharePoint developers, another thing that we quietly did, now I recently wrote a blog post about this, is, you know, Exchange about, I don't know, about three months ago, turned on the ability for me to do app-only calls into um, Exchange. Um, and specifically, Exchange that's secured behind Azure Active Directory. So, you know, as we light up things within within SharePoint to say, hey, I want to register this app with Azure Active Directory. Now, I can also now, um, and this was a quiet thing we did. We didn't do a lot, a big, big announcement around it, but we can now do the same type of app-only calls into SharePoint um, using Azure Active Directory as that identity provider for the app, which I think is really cool. And I, what's cool is um, if if you've done uh, add-in development on-premises. Uh, you've probably accustomed to doing things like creating a certificate and your app is aware of the certificate's private key and SharePoint's aware of that public key. And, and this is exactly how it functions in Azure Active Directory as well. It actually uses certificates to do all this communication. So, you know, you have some sort of job, you know, it could be a web job or just some sort of command application that uh, has a, a private key certificate, it goes and, and basically gets access tokens 
against Azure Active Directory using that certificate. It's pretty simple. Um, I'd never really seen it on the ADAL libraries, but I think, again, showing the love to the SharePoint developer community, I think that that is some some really cool stuff that we're doing because now I can also traverse. I could say, you know, hey, I need to go process some things. Maybe every night I want to go rebrand all the OneDrive for Business sites because someone maybe applied some weird theme. Well, I can do that every night, but I could also maybe go send an email um, saying, hey, quit trying to brand your site. You need to stick with the corporate standard. Um, I can I can go to SharePoint and to Exchange all um, with, with app-only approach. It, again, that traversal of, of service is key with it being Azure Active Directory secured. Yeah, and I think, you know, like there's there's a lot to be said in terms of what we didn't talk about in the last two weeks around um, controls. And, we you know, we heard loud and clear that while the beauty of kind of building your whole UI of your business solution inside of SharePoint meant that as well as the building blocks of lists and libraries and, and workflows and versioning and um, file attachments and manage metadata and, you know, this notion of a content type and, you know, all the goodness that we understand with SharePoint. But then on top of you know, those building blocks, which you could absolutely leverage if you're in an office add-in or whether you're in a, a web application that lives in the app launcher or my apps, is that you also get the building blocks of the user interface of SharePoint via you know, the web parts traditionally if you were full trust code or the app parts if you were um, inside the SharePoint add-in model. And I think, you know, there's still some enhancements that needs to be worked on there. We, we heard loud and clear in the last two weeks that the app parts aren't responsive and that, you know, in, in this day and age that there would be this expectation and, you know, engineering have kind of pushed back on us going, well, it's the iframe issue that's causing that. And it's like, yeah, but we can't really say that's a to customers, you know, we need to solve the responsiveness approach with app parts that we didn't have that problem with web parts. And there are some patterns and practices solutions like the app script part that Vaser and the PNP team talk about in um, their sessions at Build and Ignite too. But, um, you know, that's one thing the engineering team have, have taken on board. I've read the trip reports that have already come out internally, and then that was definitely kind of like right high up on their uh, radar, um, along with this notion of, okay, well, if I'm not going to leverage the SharePoint UI where I can basically throw on a SharePoint application page or a, you know, a publishing page a, an ASPX-type notation to get a, a file picker or a list view web part or some of the other controls you get for three in the SharePoint UI, but I'm going to be building this as an AngularJS application or maybe a Node.js application or, you know, ASP.NET MVC application, and I don't have those web controls that I need for file pickers and people pickers and manage metadata pickers and things you know that's something else engineering have realized that you know we did promise way back in march of last year that we would be releasing those out of preview and we haven't and so there are teams actively working on those things too so that you know even if you you don't build directly into the sharepoint ui but want to leverage the building blocks and not have to rewrite the sharepoint ui in your applications um, whether it be a web application in um in the app launcher or whether it be, uh, you know, HTML, JavaScript inside an office add-in, we'll, we'll have some controls there in the future that you'll be able to leverage. Yeah, I know that's an area. I, I even I even cornered Chax last week, who's on the, you know, modern, modern portals team and looking at what we're doing with, with add-ins and, um, you know, the app parts, where do we go with that and make them more responsive? You know, one of the one of the things that I hear come up a lot is, you know, now that we've you know, implemented things like the app launcher and a more modern suite bar, 
you know, when are things like a, a modified Chrome control coming? And so um, I can tell you that it's top of mind with those guys and they're, um, you know, definitely working hard to, you know, realize some of those things for for the community. Yeah, and what was great to see, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you attended, you might not have been aware because they didn't actually have many speaking engagements there because they were meeting a lot of the ISVs and MVPs in, in closed room workshops, was that there was a ton of people, including Shax, who actually had um, sessions. But that was mainly because when he was in the Visual Studio team, uh, we'd invite him to speak, um, representing his stuff there. But um, now with that team... On the engineering side, um, there was a bunch of Shux's peers, um, as well as um, management, kind of three levels up, actually, that were there getting that feedback. So I I think in the next few weeks, we'll see movement internally in the direction of strategy from that that team. And I, I think, you know, they'll be pretty aggressive in wanting to make sure that when we do our next set of announcements in in six months um, that we'll have a good strategy moving forward there and we'll be working closely with the MVPs and our preview program with the ISVs on getting feedback from them on what they set as the strategy to try and release in in six months and obviously year time time frames and um, I think you know I, I feel more positive now with the way that's been reorged that it'll get a bit more attention um, now that we've kind of solidified the office adding strategy and targeting the iPad and targeting the Android and Windows 10 area and then obviously with the Office 365 APIs um, with our new unified endpoint where everything's hanging off of it whether it's SharePoint Exchange, the video portal, Azure AD, you know a bunch of other bits and pieces as well that's coming. I think that's going to be the next area we'll see massive improvements that maybe people expected at Build and Ignite and then didn't realize that we weren't focused on that for this re- like kind of revision of releases. So actually, since you brought it up, there's, um, you know, around the unified API, that was another question that I got a little bit from a few SharePoint developers um, at the conference was, you know, I see this, is this completely eliminating the need for things like the discovery service? And I don't, I'm curious your perspective or what Yina or, or Rob would say, but, you know, my in, in my opinion, um, the discovery service, they're still, you know, we we are still looking at ways to fit everything underneath that unified API endpoint and not everything will at first. So, you know, things like your team sites, you know, one, it's very easy for me to say me slash files, but, you know, currently we don't, we haven't disclosed or, or maybe even come up with an approach for, would there be like a me slash sites or something like that? So, you know, there's still scenarios with, with, you know, building with the Office 365 APIs, if I wanted to, from like a multi-tenant standpoint, go and get a list of a user's files or maybe go against search or something like that, where, you know, I still want to go get what that tenant specific endpoint is for, you know, the root sites of SharePoint. And so, you know, I think that's something that we're certainly looking really closely at and on how it would um, fit underneath that unified API. But, you know, you think about the typical SharePoint user, if I go to my list of sites, you know, there's, you know, almost 100 sites that I use at a on a daily basis. And so trying to see where those necessarily fit in, you know, that might be um, a, a later enhancement to that. Yeah, and I think, you know, the key is, is that we want to keep hearing that feedback. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping people realize or, uh, and see that we are actually listening and you'll see we are engaging on the various different social channels and encouraging people to use user voice. And, you know, when I'm in the meetings with engineering, we push really hard um, to make sure that they understand the 
you know what's going on in the real world and and what people are actually doing with things and you know there's definitely a lot of um, kind of empathy and sympathizing with the fact that there's a lot of big huge existing SharePoint base of which you know I was part of for a long long time and so I you know I do understand the power of where SharePoint is and and the fact that you know we don't want to turn turn our backs on on these guys and make sure that things are being addressed and I think you know you'll start to see that coming through as we start to converge based on the efforts that have been going on in you know 365 as an overall developer platform service and and some of their existing investments in in SharePoint and how those converge over time we uh busy week next week with uh dev intersection so there's still time to register for that so if anyone is itching for a a trip out to uh, Arizona, we'd love to have you out there. Or if you're already in that area, you could certainly still register for that uh, if you go out to Dev Intersection. Um, and then, you know, lots of other good opportunities like the Dev Camp. Certainly check out the links in the on the podcast page on uh, all the Dev Camps that are going to be around the area and, and try to make one if you can. Yeah, I think my thoughts would be just, uh, you know, around... Um Definitely sign up for the dev program. Um, taking a look at the Ignite sessions that I kind of post and recommend as part of this that don't overlap with the recommendations I made last week on Build. Um, there's a lot of great content there, not just from a developer side, but also from you know what the guys in my kind of adjoining team with Mark Cashman and Bill Bear and Jem and Christoph. Christoph, thank you. Hopefully Christoph doesn't hear the show so he doesn't realise I forgot him because he'll be all upset. But, you know, those guys, you know, they own a lot of the that all-up product management side from a, a technical perspective, not in the dev side, but just in terms of delivering those to customers. And obviously we kind of align across all of those guys in terms of the dev story. And it's been fun seeing a lot of that go through as well. I think, you know, the, the the most fun one, which I've heard a lot about from people when we were going out for meals and the social events afterwards, was um, the Office Graph session that Waldeck and Chris Givens and Mikkel Stenson, I believe there was one other person that entered that kind of face-off of showing what they'd built on top of the Office Graph. That session was sounded like it got, got a lot of good, good feedback and there were some great things that were built. So... Um, Looking forward to downloading that and watching that on the plane, for sure. Cool. Sweet. Well, thanks again for jumping on the call. I, you know, we've been swatting emails all day and filling in expense reports for the fact I've been on the road for three and a half weeks. So it's it's been a long day one back in the office, actually. <laughs> Just day one for you? Feels like it's day like five already for me. Yeah, I had yesterday off because I was head to uh, heads deep in uh, moving boxes. Oh, that's right. I don't trust movers with all my nice stuff. They can pack up all my clothes and my underwear, but they're not touching my um, my nice glassware or my beer glasses and stuff. That's all been packed by me personally. <laughs> <laughs> the important stuff. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, enjoy your week, Rich, and um, we'll we'll get on a show. I think we're going to try and get some. Um, some of the SharePoint engineers on once they've solidified that um, that vision a bit more after the feedback they got like this week and from ISVs and and stuff and um, there'll be a bunch of other people we get but I would love people on Yammer to make some suggestions in the in the podcast group it's linked in the pod show notes of other things they'd like to hear this this show was really reactive to you know some of the feedback we heard on the social channels around the last two weeks but um, we'd love to hear from you guys on what other things you'd like us to discuss and anyone you'd like us to get on the show as well so enjoy your week guys and uh, we'll speak to you next week thanks again for listening make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs 
All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.